Welcome once again to uh, Riffin with Griffin. Uh, I am your host, Eric Griffin. Uh, I'm back here at All Things Comedy. I know I got my home place, my home studio, and everybody, you know, you guys like that. But I told you I'm still going to be here, especially when I have big guests such as the the one that I have today. Uh, But so let me start off. uh, Let's start the program off with uh, let me introduce my uh, today's guest. Give it up for the very talented Mr. Ari Spears. What's up, baby? How y'all doing? Ari Spears <laughs> in the building. Ari Spears. I always yeah, say it wrong. we just went through that. I know. I, yeah, I yes. asked him too. I said, how do I say it? Is it Aries or Aries? It's Aries. Aries, yeah, like Aries. a sign. Yeah. What, is that, what does that come from? Uh, you know what, man? My birthday is April 3rd. Okay, so, okay. Your parents so, want to do your yeah, black you know, hippies. Some <laughs> astrological shit. Yeah. Okay, so I know you don't listen to my podcast. I say this to everybody because everybody always says, oh, yeah, I heard some clips. But right. I had this thing where I, uh, when I first started, I do different theme songs. Uh-huh. I would do a theme song and then, like, you know, then people started sending me theme songs. Really? Yeah. So the Theme songs that were known? No, no, no. They make them. These people make oh. this. This is original music. But when you say play theme song, it's a theme song that's known? No, no, no. It's a theme song for my show. Oh, that you created. Yeah, that no, oh. these, these people created for oh, me. Oh, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you. <laughs> Right. We got that figured out. Okay, so uh, and then they they play and and every week I get a new one. You know, and you play them every week and I play them every week as a new one. Oh, like I, I say, I'm always looking for a theme song, and here's yeah. a new one. And this one, uh, this is like uh, some of my favorite producers, Eli Winderman and Rob Kimmel. These mm-hmm. guys made it, and and they're and they're. I got to say their band, Octopod. Is that right? Octo. Yeah, I think it's uh, Octopod and no, no, no. It's Dopapod. There it is. Dopapod and Octave Cat. But they made me a great one, and they right. made, they sent me another one and and this is it right here oh, that's you feel, you feel, you feel how like, stank it is feel like a 80s video game <laughs> no no this is like beverly hills cop five you know what right, I mean? we, right right we in the car it's a convertible right oh check it out Screams 80s though a little bit, don't it? A little bit. It got that peace fuck on it. Yeah, I, got, I hear that too. I, I, double I F N. <laughs> Word I. <laughs> we're ripping, we're ripping. <laughs> yeah, now it's coming to life. You come on oh. right between 227 and uh, <laughs> some other black show. Right? I'm the I'm the friendly, non-threatening. There you go. Well, this once again, uh, Detective Designs, Rob and Eli did it again. Now bring it back, y'all! Double I F N. All right, then we got it. <laughs> Anyways, well, let me let me just, if I could first say thank oh, you, sure. man, because uh, I I stumbled up on you on Instagram. Oh, really? Yeah, I saw you know when they when you go to the search and all the videos, so I, I saw you there, and it reached out to you and and you obliged. So thank you because I like you. I'm a new podcast, been around for about a year, a little over a year. Um, and from what I've been told is you need to get on other people's podcasts for your podcast to grow. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, so, it's, a, yeah, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a weird relationship. Right. So uh, thank you because I've gone out to some people and they've said no. So the fact that you've said yes... <laughs> I appreciate. I owe you one. It would be like the mafia. I'm gonna make a note. Well, you and you for sure were like, you know, you you definitely was hounding me about it too. Like, yes, you, yeah, I'm yeah. a persistent motherfucker, man. Yeah, very to the persistent. Point of annoying. <laughs> it was. I was like, well, you know, maybe. Or maybe on the cusp, but you know, I just like to get shit done, man. Now, what do you think about like in the podcasting world right now? It's like it's not very black. Have you noticed that? Well, uh, nothing starts out very black, and then it becomes too black. And that's when white folks move out. You know, MTV once upon a time ago didn't allow niggas on. And then all they showed was niggas. And now they're gone. Well, you remember they had the WB network. 
Yeah. I, I always think like networks launched themselves on the black platform. They would Th be like, this is true. You know, they would be, it was the WB. Then it was like, you know, homeboys in outer space. And it was like all these black shows. And now the WB is now CW well, here, and it's white as hell. Well, here's the <laughs> underlining, whether they use us or run away from us, we're not being used properly. You know, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like not. they, we, you know, at first they didn't want us. Then when we get in, we oversaturate the market and they get the fuck out. Or they start wet out with us and make the money off our backs and then go, bye, niggas. Either way, <laughs> it ain't a welcome. <laughs> That's how you feel? I mean, I'm going off of what history's written. Hmm. You know what I like to do on the show is yes. I like to like get people's origin story. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So like, where are you from? Uh, New York. Hell's Kitchen, New York. Yeah. Straight from New York. Yes, huh? sir. Now remember, now I remember uh, you. Way back in the day, because uh -huh. I remember you being on Def Jam. You're mm -hmm. 16 years old, right? Yeah, 16 with Martin. You were 16. Martin yeah. was the host. That was yeah. the heyday. Yeah, second year. Yeah, the second year. Oh, man. It was like, you know, you ever look back on it now and be like, ooh. Dude, no. I, you know what? I, a little bit, but what I really look at more is it's weird because when you go back and look at all those episodes from the beginning and you see Bill Bellamy and Corey Holcomb and myself and even Dave Chappelle, it, it, it was fun watching how raw we were because we would lean on certain things. Like, for instance, and I told Bill this, you know, he would say within his whole set, that's crazy, right? A thousand times. <laughs> such, such, such. Yo, that's crazy, right? <sighs> Shit, we would never do today. So now today we all like John Coltrane and Miles Davis. Yeah. We, we jazz musicians. Even though Bill still probably has one of the best all time, if you had to rank the top five sets from Def Jam's history, that booty call said. I told him, hey, nigga, they owe you residuals. Yeah, they, yeah. It's the it's one of the best. Just, so many people stole from that. Yeah. And I, never I do, gave I, Bill I, his I, shit. I even do a thing in my act right now where I'm looking through the right. blinds. Right. Oh, no, that was, that was, yeah, they owe Bill on that. That's like my man, I'm sure you remember. How old are you? 47. Okay, I'm okay. See, I'm 40. I just turned 44. So we we we, yeah. know, we both know. Remember the dude from the Cosby show that originated the <laughs> the Chinese dubbing voice. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, you're talking about Don Reed. Everybody stole. Yeah, Don from that Reed. Bit. I call Don Reed old school. Every, right. I, every time I see him on Instagram, I know him well. Right. I'd be like, what's up, old school? Man. He was the one that did the and he, he, he would do the he, kung he, fu. He started it. Oh, and he's so going, many comedians ripped off from that. Shout out to Don Reed. Yeah. Who when you in LA, I gotta get you on. He actually does a great one-man show in the uh, in right? the Bay Area. Yeah, well, he's he still was, out there doing it. He was the originator. Still looks 31, too. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> you know how we age, bro. <laughs> But uh, yeah, man, Bill Bellamy. And Bill was my man coming up in Jersey and New York. East Orange, Peppermint Lounge, uh, Indigo Blues, Tribeca. And um, like I told Bill, man, I said, man, there have been movies, uh, merchandise, yeah. and I'm a, a fanatic over sex in the city. Yeah. And they use the phrase. So I'm just like, man, you know what? You're talking about just the name, just the words booty call. call. Yeah. Yes. Like he actually. He patented that. Yeah, he coined it, right? Right. Yeah. He and probably don't make enough money off of it. I, I don't think he makes anything off of yeah, it. Yeah, it's a, they, they even made a movie. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it was just, it was just yeah. like, this is one of the iconic things. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, so let, let's start again. So you, 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 you're you in New York. Yeah. At what point did you know you wanted to be a comic? Because you were 16 years old. Yeah. Well, so how did you go from knowing to like being on Def Jam at 16? Um, you know, I, let me give you the cliff notes. Uh, you know, my dad's era was prior. Right. My era was Murphy. I was born in 75. Me too. 80s baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, He's the reason why I'm doing comedy. Exactly. And I would sit up and watch him with my dad religiously on SNL. And then later on in life, I, I, I found out <clears throat> we had the same birthday. 
same astrolog- astrological sign. Oh, wow. Uh, and I just took all of that as a source of inspiration and went, if Eddie can do it, I can do it. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. I just started doing comedy at 14. I did a lot of the Chitlin Circuit Clubs in Jersey and New York. Um, and by the time, and, 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 you know, and I always say this to my man, people give Russell Simmons all the credit for Def Jam because his name is on the bill. Right, right, right. But if it hadn't been for Bob Sumner, right. who was the brain, uh-huh. who, who he just brought it to Russ and said, Russ, put your stamp on it and the rest is history. But, you know, he, Bob Sumner, he's the one, he's the reason that got me in, to, to steer me in this direction. And then by the time I was 16, I made my, de- my debut on Def Jam. The next year, the following, the next year, I did um, Showtime at the Apollo when I was seventeen, mm-hmm. and then from there, man, I just I moved out to L.A. and got, yeah, you got on, you had that show, now, South now, of Sunset. Now. But I but I got caught up first in what they were doing that they don't do anymore, which was giving cats development deals. Right back then, if you had any minutes of funny, you, they signed you up. They, it was like you know the draft. They took you off the market. So I went five straight years where I was with every network for one year and had probably made just over a million dollars with nothing to show for it. <laughs> so by the time I got to Fox, uh, they actually wanted to audition me for the, they actually auditioned me for the first year of Mad TV, but I couldn't do it because I was locked in a deal with Fox with Aaron Spelling. So I did this show called Crosstown Traffic, which was like the Mod Squad. It came, it went, didn't do shit. Oh, wow. Um, and you know, I was like, so how many shitty shows have you been on? Oh, dude. Oh. <laughs> My first actual TV show was called South of Sunset. I remember. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you was in a convertible. Yes. You, you, was, you know, you yeah. was like, you was like king of the world. Yeah, but yeah, with Glenn Fry from the Eagles, from the Eagles, God yeah. rest his soul. And uh that show came out. We did we we didn't even air the whole season. We did one episode and was canceled because number one, the fires were going on. So we never even aired in LA. Oh wow. And then we were up against home improvement, which was the number one right, show. Right. Also Melrose Place. So we got crushed. In the ratings. And because um, Glenn Fry had such a horrible relationship with the network, he did everything he could to piss them off. Oh, wow. Uh, they said, well, we'll show you. So you got caught up in that? Got caught up in that. And by the time Mad TV's third season rolled around, I still was with Fox. And the then president, Pina Chernin, was like, hey, man, I like this dude. We, we, we couldn't develop nothing for you, but fuck it. Put him on Mad. Uh-huh. And, and Adam, 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 Adam and Fox wanted me anyway. So, uh, you know, there it is. So at that particular time, though, when you were 16 and you were uh, on that Def Jam stage, yeah. uh, did you feel like, like, where did you see your career going at that point? In my mind, I had it mapped out the same way Eddie's was mapped out. Yeah, you, was, you were going to do your cop movie. I was going to go- <laughs> do two years on a sketch show, go into my first big hit movie, and the rest uh, is history, baby. Yeah. But, you know, and I will say this. There have been so many people online and in the streets who tell me to this day, Mad TV was way better than SNL. Now, we may have been, but they were the big kid on the block. Well, it's like, we, we were no, CBA. but it's like, it's like somebody liking Sonic Burger over McDonald's. You know what I mean? It might be better, but there's more McDonald's. <laughs> and, and, you know, McDonald's got the bigger dick. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 it is what it is. So, you, yeah, so, so then you, when you got on Mad TV and you were on there right. for like, you know, it seemed like forever, right? Eight years. Yeah, eight yeah. years. And then, and then that show's huge. I mean, it's like Bobby Lee's one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And he like, you know, so especially in Canada. You go, you yeah. go to Canada a oh, lot? Oh, dude, when I first went to Canada, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Like Will Sasso's from Canada. Yeah. And we were like rock stars out there. Um, and, and and to show you just how vast this shit, especially with YouTube and all the social media. Right. The first time I went to South Africa, uh, I shit you not, I had a moment going from getting out of the, getting off the plane to going to baggage claim, 
where African dude, cause I, I'm big in Africa too, but an African <laughs> nigga was treating me like I was Hakeem in the bathroom scene <laughs> and coming to America. You don't understand how much I love you. With the joke when you when you speak the King's English, your comedy, nigga, I got to kiss your hand. And the man literally grabbed my hand and smooched my shit. And I'm with my bitch and I'm like, act right, you see who the fuck I am. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I might not be too much home, but yeah, I'm a king, bitch. So it was like, you know, mind blowing yeah. to, to to know that I had that kind of reach. And it was all from Mad TV, right? Yeah. Like just like it's, that's a little bit of stand up. Of yeah. course, of course. But yeah, I'm just yeah. saying like Mad yeah, TV yeah, is like pretty much yeah. They would watch that then go watch the yeah. stand up. Yeah. Now you know it's funny that you just as you just did uh that voice, I I'm reminded that, you know, you're that was like one of your things. Like yeah. impressions. Yeah. So like uh when did that start? Was that like that at was 16? Eddie Murphy. That was Eddie Murphy. You shit. watching Eddie Murphy? When I was watching Eddie him, the Mr. Rogers neighborhood, James Brown celebrity hot tub. I just always had a thing. Plus, my mother's a jazz and blues singer. She used to uh, open up and perform with the great Lionel Hampton. Mm. Uh, for all you young birds out there, one of the great jazz pioneers, legends of all time. And uh, she had a picture where she sang for Reagan in the White House. So my my ear for tone and inflection and rhythm, I got from her. So my first impression growing up was Louis Armstrong, because that's you know whom my yeah. mother and father would play when I knew they was fucking. Right. When the door was closed and you heard, potato, potato, you saved the motto. I said, oh, dad, getting it in. They would always try to send us to the score for Hagenaz ice cream and Pepsi. And when we came back, the door was shot uh, and Louie was doing his thing. Oh, uh, that's, that's great. Yeah. And so then you, I didn't realize that uh, that was part of it, like being a singer. Yeah, and so being it's like, like, you know, it's like people that have an ear for music. They know tone. They know inflection. They know riffs and rhythms. I would often hear Stevie Wonder and certain R&B singers and go, how do you make your voice <laughs> the yeah. riffs, right, right. And it's just it's a you know it's a talent and it's an ear that you're born with. So when I would hear certain people, and of course me growing up as a kid in the '80s, you know Bill Cosby, see, <laughs> got to have the brakes and the butts put on the paper, you know. So some of that, and you know, uh, Hover Chasey, it's a little bit lighter. <laughs> so yeah. it's just hearing them them inflections and, and knowing how to do them. And I'm gonna tell you, man, who I love to do, and I and I don't mean to be corny and be like, hey man, set me up, but who no, I no, love no. to do because okay. anything, anybody that's new, it's like a mother giving birth to a new child. Right, right, so right. I'm like, oh right, shit, so like it's, it's like, a new toy. It's a new thing. Yeah. And you're like, I gotta do that voice. Paul Mooney. Uh, but that's, that ain't even new. <laughs> not, it's not, but it's, it's now, new. Are you doing Paul Mooney falling on sleep? Falling asleep on stage, Paul No, Mooney? man, no. He, is he that? Is he that? Yeah, good old uh, Paul Mooney. Just, I, just did a sh- I did a show with him maybe last year at the, mm-hmm. at the, in the main room, and they got him in a chair, and he's uh, repeating jokes, and he's, you know, they had to I take heard. the mic away right. from him. You know what I mean? You know, I, I was at Tommy T's in Pleasanton, and Tommy's real close with uh, Paul's brother. So he had called, and, and I had heard Paul was health-wise kind of going through it. So he had called his brother, and, you know, I, I don't know if you go through this, but one thing I don't like is ask me first before you want to put me on the phone with somebody. Oh, I can't. Oh, because my God. it's like they either want you to do a performance, uh, or sometimes you just don't feel like talking to motherfuckers. Dude, you didn't like this when your mom did it. It's your aunt. Talk to your Aunt Barbara. Right, Talk right. to your Aunt Barbara. You're like, right. ah, I want to talk to this bitch. Exactly. Hey, Aunt Barbara. Right, 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 right. <laughs> So he called Paul's brother and it's like, yeah, Aries does a great impression of him. You should bring Paul to the show. Maybe they can get on stage together. And that's how I know Paul ain't feeling right. So at one point, he drags Paul out from the green room. And I can't go. "Eh, I got to acknowledge, ladies and gentlemen, the legendary Paul. Everybody claps and shit. And at one point, Paul's reaching for the mic. 
uh-huh. to come on stage, and I'm scared to give it to him for the exact reason that you said. <laughs> First of all, you're going to fuck up the rhythm of my show. Right. And then if you ain't Chris Paul, it's one thing to be Chris Paul, do your shit, give it back. I can fall right back in pocket. Mm-hmm. But if the audience is going, what the fuck are we watching? Yeah, and yeah. And I got to come clean that up. Yeah. I don't want that responsibility. So I said, this is how, in my mind, I go, this is how I know Paul fucked up because uh, Paul ain't sharing the stage with nobody in his I got it together mind. Right. Paul acknowledged you off stage, but nigga, please. Um, so the fact that he was, and he almost looked like he was in a, a drunken haze. The yeah. fact that he was doing that, I was like, yeah, this, this motherfucker ain't right. But to relive the good Paul, yeah. um, <laughs> he's here now. Yeah. And Eric, you're going to ask Paul a question. <laughs> and Paul's going to answer to you in his right mind. Uh, hello, Mr. Mooney. What's going on, brother? <laughs> what do you think of the state of black comedy today? Nigga, what do you think of the state of black comedy today? <laughs> you don't got to ask me. We niggas, we know what it is. And I know you light skin, nigga. I know you have white in you. Ask that white man to ask that nigga in you what's for the state of comedy. Don't ask me shit. Stop it. Niggas are crazy. Oh, my God. People don't even know. But people that listen to my podcast won't even. It's well, that, that's, how, that's how long ago. Right. To the point where his sons are doing comedy. Well, here's what's wild, too. People will often request me. You know what? Don't bang this oh, too I'm much. Because you hear how you can hear I it. I got you. They got to get some shocks for this. That's the next step. Aaron. You know, because people keep t- this is people complain about this. <laughs> uh, now I know. Um, people will often come to my show, black people, and go, "Hey man, do that, Paul Mooney." And the problem is this: if I do a show where the audience is predominantly black, right? And I'm not talking about Huxtable niggas. I'm talking about good times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then that'll fly. But places where I go where it's real diverse, maybe a lot of white people, you don't really know who Paul is unless you either a a diehard comedy fan, both black and white, or you some niggas. Yeah. White folks don't really know who Paul is, and even the niggas that read don't know who Paul is. And don't want to, maybe. Don't want to They're know. trying to move on to Exactly. The- so it's it's hard. I can't, doing Paul Mooney is not like doing Bill Cosby or Shaquille O'Neal, where that's universally loved. Right, right. It has a certain amount of appeal. Paul is a selective taste. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Riffin' with Griffin, but I got to take some time and ask the fellas a question. Fellas, do you like sex? You like having sex, doing sex, being sexy? I know you do because you're listening to Riffin' with Griffin. And if you like sex, you're going to like BlueChew.com. BlueChew offers men a performance enhancement for the bedroom. Just an enhancement, y'all. Don't get bent out of shape. Don't have that look on your face like, I don't need no help down there. This isn't just for people that need help down there. Wouldn't you like to last longer and go extra rounds? At BlueChew.com, you get the first chewable with the same active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis. And chewables can work up to twice as fast as pills, and they can be taken on a full or empty stomach. Now, there's an online physician you can talk to. That's free. So BlueChew is cheaper than the other two. It only takes a few minutes to connect with a BlueChew.com affiliated physician And if you qualify, you get prescribed online quickly. There's no in-person doctor visit, no awkward conversations with anybody. This is your own personal choice. There's no waiting in line at a pharmacy or asking where the dick pills are at the pharmacy. Blue Chew ships directly to your door in discreet packaging. The chewables from Blue Chew are prescribed online by a doctor and made in the USA. Blue Chew gives you confidence in bed every single time. You and your partner will love it. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use promo code GRIFFIN. Just pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. 
promo code Griffin. Chew it and do it. Now, what do you think about the fact that when you were coming up and you were doing the Chitlin circuit and you you do a lot of black rooms even Mm -hmm. today, I mean, do you do you you still see like a distinct difference between the two audiences? Um, yeah, yeah. Like doing D.C., even though D.C. and Baltimore, Maryland ain't that far. The mentality, black people in D.C., because it's such a metropolitan, well to do area. I just I just got back from D.C. Right. You know, look, niggas is niggas. Right. But there's degrees to niggas. You know, um, like I say, I say this on stage sometimes. I'll say to a white person, hey, you know the difference between me and this nigga here with the gold in his mouth and the sunglasses on here in the dark club? I'm the Huxtables. That's good times. Mm -hmm. So sometimes um, the mentality doesn't fit depending on the comic style. For instance, I had asked the uh, host there whose name is Bama. I said, man, this room is always in 98 predominantly percent black. And there's some rough niggas in here. Mm -hmm. Do you talking like, about Alabama? No, no, no. It's a comic name, Bama. Okay, I know another yeah. comic. No, I'm saying I know another comic name, Alabama. So I thought, okay, yeah, I thought yeah, you yeah. were shortening his name. No, anyway. it might be Alabama. Oh. Yeah, nigga, chest look like a refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah. Got long dreads. He cut him now. That's Alabama. Okay, right. I call him yeah. Bama. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I said, y'all ever get any white artists in here who's filled this room out? He said, yeah, twice. We got uh, Tom Green and uh, Tom Arnold. And the audience was predominantly white? He was like, yeah. Because Harley... You will ever see any white people in there. So he goes... Uh, You're talking about the Comedy Factory. The Baltimore Comedy Factory. Yes, I've done the Baltimore yeah, Comedy yeah, Factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's... When I first did the Baltimore Comedy Factory, uh, when they used to do it above the deli, and it was like, you do the Thursday night, and you right. did three shows Friday, three shows Saturday. Right. My thing would be, one of the shows would be white. One of the shows would be mixed with like country folks Mm-mm. and then there would be a Def Jam show. No, all of it's Def Jam now. For you. No, 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 no. I'm telling you for me. The reason why, why even when you do What's it that? now? I haven't done it because I just I do I just did Magoobies. Oh, okay. Because a comedy factor keeps moving around. Right. Well the last location they were at before this current one was right at the power plant. So when you where it was the old improv before they right, changed right, right, it. Right. But they, they they've actually moved to a different location. Oh, I didn't know that. You probably haven't been there since the since the the shooting or whatever happened. Right. <laughs> I know there was a stabbing. Yeah, I'm saying the stabbing. Right. But it was when your your weekend, right? Didn't somebody yeah, get yeah, stabbed yeah, at yeah, a weekend? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the police station is down the street. Right, right. But but let me go back to so anyway, um we were talking about the racial mix up of right, the crowd. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. Like, and he said, uh and he goes, Well, you know, there's some brothers that come here that just they don't do well. I said, Who's talking about? Gerard Carmichael. And I go, I could see that. And this is no slight to Gerard, but as I'm saying, some niggas, audience-wise, are equipped to play chess. But them niggas are equipped for shoots and ladders over there. Yeah. They not. Dominoes. Dominoes, nigga. They not. (laughs) Gerard Carmichael is a little too, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Sedity? No. no. Uh, Gerard's no, one of my best friends too, savvy. by the way. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. Savvy. He's, he's, a, he's a very smart His dude. His cadence is slower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he don't give you that, what's up, niggas? Yeah. And that energy that sometimes them. That they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they want that fast food food. Yeah, so, but I'm noticing, like, so are you seeing, is it now, are you drawing that crowd? Is it you that's drawing that crowd? Um, Like when you go other places other than you oh, to Baltimore? Are, 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 like, are like the black folks? You know, I, I, are the good times folks coming to see I, I you? Draw, I draw niggas at read, <laughs> oh. but I, but I, but I also draw draw drug dealers too. Yeah. You know, I you know, and, and this is not me in any way, <laughs> to my own horn, but because I grew up such a fan of Eddie Murphy, 
and Pryor, and I studied those guys, and I Dave Chappelle. I love it when that audience is the mixture of all, yeah. of everything. I think hardcore, not hardcore, white, black. It's more fun that way for me. Yeah, I think the best ratio of an audience is like when it's half white, right? Okay, and then there's enough black people that they're not scaring these white people. Mm-hmm. But they feel like they're a part of what the black people are laughing at. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I also think even if that's even if that's not the makeup, uh, what what is what is a you know testament to a comic's brilliance is if the material, despite all that, right, right, can right, bring them together and make them see what you want them to see. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There are some comics who simply cannot do that. Like I remember one time I just got back from a gig and I'm at Baggage Claim and it's me, Alex Thomas, and Joe Torrey. And we were talking about comedy clubs we like. And I was like, man, I'm cool on Atlanta because them niggas out there is just too. And he was telling me, and he, it was funny. He was like, you know, I told the promoter, the guy that is suck my dick, fuck you, and nigga this and nigga that, and pull all the stereotypical nigga shit. Yeah. There's a night for him. Yeah, yeah. But you can't put him in front of me and this nigga's wrapping up his set talking about, and that's how you eat corn out of bitch booty hole. You ready for your headliner? Oh, and I'm God. supposed to come out and talk about my trip to France? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, dude, you talk about the Atlanta Comedy Theater? Oh. I, okay, okay, check oh. this out. I just did the Atlanta Comedy Theater maybe like six months ago. Right. I know the owner. I didn't realize that this was just the, the what was the, it used to be called? What was he a part of? I, I, Uptown. Uptown. I didn't know, or I would have said no. Atlanta Comedy Theater sounds like it's a nice, you know. Let me stop because I want to <laughs> ask you if, if I think I know where you're going. Because they move locations. Yeah. So have you done the most current one? Yes. Where they got the throne chair, the Game of Thrones chair off to the side for people to take pictures in? No, I haven't seen the that. The cordless mic with the metal all over the ceiling? It, look, it looks like, it's in like a little strip mall. You know, I think so. Yeah, this is it. I don't remember all that stuff because I was already so like taken aback by. First of all, uh, first of all, I, I, luckily they have two green rooms. Okay, okay. So I'm in one, right? And I make myself very unapproachable. Like I'm in here, right? Yeah, you all can go. And so the other green room is like apparently every comic in LA, right? Me, every comic in Atlanta is in this green room about right. to do a guest set. Right. I'm not asked. Nobody says, "Hey, can uh, such such do a guest set?" Nobody asked me, the headliner of the fucking show. No. Hey, I'm a, um, uh, yeah, we doing guest sets. And then the DJ want to play like a whole, he don't want to just play a song. Ah! He, he, he want to say, hey, man, what Biggie album you want to come out to? Right, right, right. <laughs> right. So the show starts extremely late, unlike the white clubs. And again, I even said to my feature, I go, are we the stars or the DJ? Because this nigga's doing his mixtape thinking Diddy's in the audience. No, and, and even worse is like the, the, the MC who it's like, like they're coming across like it's actually their night. You know, it's like their night and they're the MC. And then like, you know, you're in there. Okay, but here's the thing. I, my people that like me, they, 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 they watch workaholics and I'm dying right. up here. And like, so I'm talking about right. there's white people and Asians and they came to that club. Right. So when I got on stage, I look at their faces and I had to go like this. Hey. I didn't know it was this black either. That <laughs> 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 just to like just to disarm, the, right. you know what I mean? For the people that don't really know the insides and outs of comedy, this is why this is refreshing to me <laughs> because I have a reputation in this business and amongst the comedy community of being an asshole. Well, 
Hold on now. Well, before we dive into that, okay, I'm, I want to dive into that. Please, because, because I want to just <laughs> coattail on what you just okay, said. Okay, go. Part of the reason this comes is because I'm aloof. I don't hang around a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I don't like doing jazz hands. I'm a quiet <laughs> motherfucker, and I stick to myself. Aloof is often perceived as asshole. Just because I don't come talk to you or smile, it doesn't mean I think I'm better than you. It doesn't mean I'm trying to be an asshole. This is just who I am. When I'm not performing, I'm a quiet motherfucker. Right, right. And also, because I've done... Look, again, I've been doing this for 30 years, which means, in my mind at least, I've earned a certain amount of stripes. So if I'm the headliner, it's my show, like it would be any other body, any other headliner. Right. If I want... To bring a white feature because I've had black features and 25 minutes of you doing black white comedy, then me doing 30 minutes of black white comedy, it's too much. So I'm not even saying you can't do race humor, but I don't want to bombard my audience, especially if it's mixed with white people. Oh, this is funny, but Jesus, they're beating us up. Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, I, it's like spoken word poetry. Exactly. So, <laughs> so I like a certain amount of diversity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's perceived and has been said to me. Oh yeah, that, there, there go every Spears, yo. When I come to the local city I'm in, yeah, other comics, yeah, that nigga don't like niggas on his show. Nigga don't like his own people. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck do I not like my own people? We do everything well, right? You know what I mean. <laughs> so of course I love my own people, but in terms of the business I'm in, and I know how this shit goes, I'm gonna do what's most comfortable for me. And anybody in their right mind and in that position would follow suit. And if you if you tell me you wouldn't, you're lying. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you get to places like that particular place, right? And it's just like you know, I so I mean, people would think that I'm an asshole then because I'm very much like I remember even check this out. I remember the Atlanta Improv right back in the day. They they're not there anymore. But I, I go, I walk into the green room after the show, and there's literally twelve comics in the green room. So I said this, "Oh, this is great. Can you guys go get ten more people? You know." And then that everybody Did they even catch it. Yo, oh yeah, because everybody okay. cleared out. You okay. know. But then it's like, oh, Eric Griffin's an asshole. Like, okay, right. I don't give a fuck. Right, right. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. <laughs> you know, I used to give a fuck. Like, I would, before they moved the Houston Improv to where it is now, when it used to be a some sort of restaurant, some Planet Jungle shit, one day I walked in there, there was eight niggas in there. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just like, you know, you, It's like, then you, I hate when people put you in a position. To be that guy. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, it is my show. And... I want to be comfortable before the show. Yeah. I don't want eight motherfuckers in here. Like, who the fuck are y'all? <laughs> yeah. Then they want so, to talk. Then they want to talk. Especially in, in Atlanta at the comedy, at the right. Atlanta comedy theater, I, I experienced a lot of comics asking me, like, they want, they want to learn how, like, learn shit. Right. You know, it's like, I'm not just, I'm doing a show. I'm not doing a symposium. Right. You know, just like the Big Brother program. Right, 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 right. You know, it's like, and, and I don't know you like that. And I tell people all the time, I was like, look, man, after a show, I go somewhere, man, you want to chop it up. You want to talk about the game from last night. You want to talk about whatever. I'll talk with you. I'll get a beer and converse with you and don't have to know you from Adam. But don't interview me. I just got off work. (laughs) Please, let's not do the, nigga, what was it like when you first started? And what you be doing when you, nigga, come on, man. Like they do in their podcast right right there. Right, (laughs) right, They just pull out a mic. Here, hold hold this, Aries. Okay, now let's get to this. Oh, shit. Yeah. Let me wipe this. Yeah, you should wipe the sweat. Yeah. All right. God damn, here we go. Okay. Now, you 
have a reputation for being an asshole. Okay. But I'm just going to tell you, some of the things I've heard, right. you can be an asshole. Well, tell me what you've heard and we'll confirm them. Okay, see, well. It's, it's, see, that's, I got, I that's got, dangerous. Okay. And that's unfair. <laughs> because many, And that's the problem what I, that I have yeah. with show business. Uh-huh. People go off of what they hear that's true. instead of self-investigation. We, this is the investigation. We're okay. confirming right now. I'm getting okay. from the horse's mouth. Now, let, me, let, me, let me ask you this before we dive uh-huh. into this. Based on what you've gotten this far, mm-hmm. do you sense that? I sense from text messages from you trying to get on the right. show. I sense that it's like a fifty-fifty, where like you're you're an aggressive dude. You right. want things a certain way. You want right. it to happen a certain time. And like you know, and and not having say a personal relationship with someone, right. and they don't know you like that. It might come across as harsh. It might okay. come across as like. Uh, arrogant, like you really? said, you even said to me. Yeah, it could come across like that. Okay, it could come across like that. But like, because <clears throat> like I've heard things like you know, you, the, the people got horror stories. You know, you get into the you get into the GM's car or you get into the car to go, and and they're driving and they're like, oh yeah, wow, yeah we had yeah, Ari Spears was here, like you know, and he yelled at me or like you know, I like, might have, but <laughs> if I'm yelling at you, I'm not doing. Hey man, I ain't got no peanut butter in my dressing room. Well, I, I'm not okay. doing that. But you, but don't you have something in your rider? But you want to be in a black car, and if it's not a black car, you've yelled at people for that not having not a black true car. At all. Well, this is we're confirming That's right now. These are stories that are out there, man. Let me tell you something. There and, are and, stories well, out let, there let's about clear you. some of this up. Yeah, and I'm not, you know, spitting on from what I've heard. <laughs> um, Eddie Griffin has to have oh, yeah, a yeah. pair of Air Force One sneakers, but he can't be the standard. Like, like, like I hear. But, but that, what I'm saying is. <laughs> I'm so low maintenance, nigga. It's shocking. In comparison to two, the only thing I I don't even really have a writer. I I, I ask for water, mm-hmm. um, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> when I do when I do concert shows, niggas be like, "Hey, I want a, a tray of hot chicken, some salmon, <laughs> some exotic bird that lives in a place you've never heard of. I want five bottles of liquor." So you feel like you're getting a bad rap? Absolutely. All I ask for is water, maybe tea for my throat. But other than that, nah, man, I'm so low maintenance. And I'll have club owners and managers say to me, God, you're easy. Like, you you, you, yeah, I I just don't talk. You know, it's just one of these things, you know, it's like we never get to, comics never get to, headliners don't hang out with each other because we're all busy doing other clubs, right? Let me know what else you've heard. I love this. (laughs) Give me all the shit, nigga. I'm almost willing to say that picture behind you, your boy, Bobby has probably told you some shit. No, but he, he might have some stories. I'll ask him about it. <laughs> but you, uh, you, you've, uh, I've just, I've just heard a lot of like, give me one, give me some more. You, you, you have been difficult on the road. But what does that mean? What, like, yeah, yeah, just like your approach to people, like how you, uh, you, you, you might raise your voice to quite a few, uh, uh, people. You know what I mean? Right. Like, is this like, is this, well, let, let, what do you have to say he, about this? He, like, I'm not trying to say people's names no, like that because no, no, it's no, like, no, no, there's no point in that. No, no, no. We, this but, is but for you to like, to self-reflect. Here's where you're going to help me out. Okay. Okay. Yeah or no. Uh, a lot of these motherfuckers in this business, manager-wise, club-wise, promoter-wise, shady. Oh, I totally agree. Okay. Let me tell you a story. But how, but, 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 Okay. Where I've raised my voice. Okay, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Right. And what, my my only pushback on that is, you know, just because somebody is shady, right? It doesn't. If you respond with shady, you still shady. I'm not responding with shady. You know, I'm I'm just no, saying. No, no, I got you. I got you. Or like, however you respond, right? It can't. It, there's levels, right? Uh, my mother once told me, if you're tired of people fucking you, pull your pants up. <laughs> so, uh, and for a long time, man, I knew I was being fucked. 
Uh, I didn't know the business well enough uh, to know, know how, you feel. how to finagle it, how to handle it. And everything I've learned, I've learned on my own. I'm the most successful person in my family. Ain't nobody been to college. Ain't nobody ever had an extra comma on their yearly check. <laughs> uh, so I am the Michael Jackson of the family. So it wasn't like I had somebody to put me under the wing and go, hey, young fella, let me show you how to maneuver and what to do. And this is a fucked up field to be in to learn shit yes. being young. So I was at a club, at one of the improvs in the um, Ohio area, and the manager there was shortchanging me on my money, and I knew it. So, yeah, I was upset about it, and I said something to the point of, um, hey, man, if you're not going to handle my money right, then you need to holler at my agent or I'm never coming back here. That turned into, he said, you're going to have an angry nigger on your hands. <laughs> and he punched the wall and scared my white Delicate female server. <laughs> when did that, that happen? Probably uh, four times before I, you know, four times ago. I've been to the club five times, so maybe about four times ago. Yeah, I'm just going to say, because th in this day and age, you can't even, you know, you, you, right. can, you can't even wink at somebody right now without it be turning into a thing. Well, you know, so so things get exaggerated. I got you. You know what I mean? You misunderstood and, and is what you're saying. Very. Absolutely very. And, and it's so funny because I will hear people who come to my shows say things like, yo, one of the most coolest, humble, down-to-earth motherfuckers. So many comics from TV and film, they come to the club, they hide out in the green room all night. When the show's over, they don't do no meet and greet. They just come, and they feel like you just come into my city, do your thing, get your money, and bounce. You will find me on that bar stool amongst the people. I hate the green room. Personally, feel mm -hmm. like a mouse in a cage. I like to observe the defense and see who in the crowd. <laughs> okay, I look at this one motherfucker, what he wearing over there. This bitch ain't got no business with that hat on. This nigga's drunk. So if there's a problem, I got to know how to attack. That's who I am I got before you. a show. So, and as long as you approach me with respect and don't talk sideways to me, man, hug me, man. What's up, man? I got That's you. That's who the fuck I am. I have a, sh a short tolerance for this business because this business is fucked up so because of that and your ex past experiences with yeah. these kind of things so then maybe you're uh you have a shorter fuse than most um i wouldn't say i have a shorter fuse because that would say that to some degree i can't control myself mm. you know what i'm saying even when i'm when i'm feeling how i'm feeling it's always methodical it's always with some thinking behind it um, because I know that I've put myself in positions in the past where even when I knew I wasn't wrong, that's not how the story came out. Right, right, and, right. And, and and that stuff either stays with you or comes up at the wrong time and fucks you. So I am on my Magic Johnson tour right now where everywhere I go, especially in front of white folks, I'm not selling out, but my grin is from temple to temple. <laughs> Nigga, I am all enamel. Joker. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing everything short of, hello, my baby, hello, my darling. To, to, I remember I had lunch with Chris Rock, dinner with Chris Rock one time, because I was really trying to get him to produce something I wanted to do. And uh, at the end of the meeting, he just goes to me, hey, man, I can just offer you three things of advice. One, stay funny, write as much as you can, and try not to piss these white folks off. <laughs> so I'm... Hi, hi, wait, how you doing? <laughs> two out of three, baby. <laughs> I'm getting better. I'm getting better. 
two out of three, man. Two out of three. All yeah. right. All right. All right. Yeah, because I can tell you, you, uh, I can tell you, feel something about how people feel about you, and I've, I can tell that it bothers you. Well, I, I would like to not give a fuck, mm-hmm. as most people that aren't in show business would advise you to do. Right. Man, don't give a fuck. Be you. Do you. I, and, I, and a lot of my supporters go, man, one thing we love about you is you so fucking real. You, you don't soften your material. You remind us of old school comedy. Do you. And it reminds me of Dave Chappelle's When Keeping It Real Goes Wrong. I've been doing me for a long time. <sighs> Sometimes it goes wrong. I'm starting well. <laughs> I'm starting to get ready to ask the devil, what's a going rate on a soul, nigga? Like, this other shit. Maybe you just misplaced yours. <laughs> you know how you put your keys down, you're like, where, where, where's my soul? Right, right. right. Yeah, <laughs> my, I, I, my soul in the, in the car? Man, Tell listen, I, if it's gone, I want to know I gave it up. You know? I got you. Um, I just, this business, man, I don't like this business. I always tell people, show business until you get to the elite level. Chris Rock. Yeah. And even they, Hart. even I'm even, sure they do. Even if they were, if, if Chris Rock, Kevin Hart, Chappelle, Denzel, and, Will and, Smith, if they were all sitting at a Denny's together at a table at their level, I'm sure that they can find things to complain about. Well, we all can <laughs> find things to complain about, but all I'm saying is that when you're at that level where you're making 20 million a film, you box office business. The struggle ain't really a struggle. Yeah, you can find something to complain about, but in comparison to, I know you complain with you complaining about your private jet companies. Exactly. <laughs> what a great complaint to have. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm just saying, like I always tell people, this business is like eating real crab, the kind with the newspaper and the hammer. Mm-hmm. You gotta bust through a lot of shell. <laughs> mm. It's like eating a pomegranate for that, for that sweetness, <laughs> but it's so fucking sweet. Like Chris Rock had the best saying. He goes. The uh, the worst job in show business is better than the best job out of it. Yeah. So I always said, nigga, I will quit if I have to play the Nickelodeon TV dad with child can laughter. Right. Um, but well, I would never know. But I would imagine that doing that versus something outside of show business. But then again, I don't know because my whole thing is when you when you have the moments where you get to live the life. The red carpets, the adoration, the oh, we love you, and, and all of this, and and go to the Hollywood function. It's there's nothing like it. There's fucking nothing like this. It's sweet, but the bullshit you gotta put up with to get that piece of it'll drive you crazy, man. It'll drive you fucking crazy. Now again, like you said, once you become the Kevin Hart's and the Chris Rocks, yeah, you're complaining about your jet. <laughs> but by that time, everything else is. Yeah, but you, sometimes people you you lose perspective because, I think of, you because can. of your circumstances. Well, yeah, I think you can, um, but I think if you can find a way not to, who wouldn't want to enjoy that life? Yeah, who, who, who it's intoxicating. Who wouldn't want you know but to what, have that? Well, okay, you, you're a misunderstood soul, and you've been doing it a long time, right? And it's like you know we get beat down in this business. All right, so, so what are some of your highlights then? Like, what are some of the things where you look back and you go, oh, man, the, I'm so glad I did this? Oh, I don't regret having done Mad TV because if I hadn't, it wouldn't, you know, I'd be a lot less famous than I am or successful than I am. And, and, and again. So Mad TV is obviously a huge highlight. Yeah, because. because was there a, a particular season that you were like, oh, I was on um, fire that season? Listen, from seasons three till about six. We were a well-oiled machine. Yeah. And 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 that that ability to play off of each other. It's like, you know, being in sports and playing with your teammates and you get better because they make you better and you learn shit. So comedy and timing, 
Um, now, again, in perspective, SNL is the NFL. We were more like the CFL. Yeah. So it's a little frustrating because I always felt like, and, and let me go to boxing terms, there's the people's champ and then there's the paper champ. Yeah. You would love to be both. Right. But some boxers on paper are the shit, but the fans couldn't give a damn. And then vice versa. The fans love you, but the boxing, the, the powers that be on paper, meh. So I've always been, I feel, the people's champ. These streets love me. These motherfuckers, everywhere I go, black, white. I was. I took my daughter to Red Lobster today for her birthday for lunch. She loves Red Lobster. And this middle-aged white woman that looked like she wouldn't say hello to me in and the brightest cl- of she sunlight. Would, she would clutch her clutch purse. Clutch her purse, nigga, <laughs> with the cell phone in her hand. I'm eating, I didn't even see her approach me. She put her hand on my shoulder and went, y'all, y'all comedy special, Hollywood, look, I'm smiling. We love you. We miss you. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, like I say, everywhere I go, from different walks of life, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, old, young, gay, straight, they do everything. And I'm pleased. I mean, I'm not bragging. I'm not trying to be conceited. But they do this shit, man. Yo, you one of the goats, one of the legends. You've been doing this for 30 years, nigga. Your body of work on Mad TV, ridiculous. Your Shaq's all-star comedy, ridiculous. Your last special, Hollywood Look, I'm Smiling, ridiculous. Niggas that know me. Your Vlad TV interviews, how real you kept it about racism and about Hollywood. People love that because that's in short supply. Mm -hmm. As we're all trying to be moist now with comedy and not offend and not stand our ground. I'm Floridian with my shit. I stand my ground. I'm not moving, nigga. (laughs) I'm like Jordan Belford in um, Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not fucking leaving, (laughs) nigga. I'm not leaving, nigga. This is what I know, this is what I bleed, and this is what motivates me. Patrice O'Neill, God rest his soul. Yeah, God rest his soul. The baddest motherfucker to me to ever pick up a mic next to Dave Chappelle. Yeah, he was, he was, uh, you know what's funny about him? He was a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I've never been a big conspiracy theorist, and that's part of probably what got him in a lot of trouble. Yeah, Patrice, well, you, you said, yeah. I'm going to be outside the comedy store, and he'd just start talking about something, you know? You'd be surprised when he knows something. Like, hey, right. I know you was on that thing, and then he would have a right. thing about it. Right. You know? Well, yeah. Oh, that nigga would burn a bridge <laughs> while he's walking on it. <laughs> In front of him. In front of him. <laughs> Um, or some Indiana Jones shit. Not even like burning it behind. No, like, in he's front like... of him, nigga. Um, yeah, man. Uh, and that kind of honesty, that kind of like, and and, I, and I've and I've seen you perform at the Laugh Factory, and I've seen you get it. Matter of fact, my ex-wife was with me at the time. Was my wife when you had her in tears? That feeling when you're a comic and you look into the crowd. You see motherfuckers take their glasses off. <laughs> they wiping their tear ducts. <laughs> motherfuckers is doing this. I had a dude in, in, in Alabama one time tell me, hey, nigga, time out. Nigga, time out. <laughs> and when I stopped, he yelled out, nigga, you good. <laughs> like that kind you know of shit. My favorite compliment from a, it was at the Atlanta Comedy right. Theater, a middle-aged black man. Mm-hmm. After my set, he walked to me, he said like this, poignant set, brother. Poignant set. He used the word poignant. <laughs> And I knew exactly what he meant. Exactly. Because he shook my hand strong, too. Poignant yeah. set, brother. Poignant. I, you know, and I think he was like saying, like, I'm so glad to see that here. That's the vibe I got from him. That's exactly what he was saying. Because yeah. when I hear when I hear people come up to me and go, and anybody can say, look, you're funny. And funny is subjective. Yeah. So even if you think carrot top is whatever, there's somebody out there that has his poster on their wall. Yeah, and he and he 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 works hard too. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm not trying to say we don't appreciate funny. Yeah, tell me how funny I am. I love it. But every now and then they go, 
and you're intelligent. Yeah, something. Like, those are the good compliments. You know what I mean? Because you're funny. Mean, you made me think. Right. Because because yeah. it means not only am I coming in there and showing you I can slug, nigga, but I know how to box. I know how to make you think. I got some more whip and whop to my game other than just trying to be Tyson and take your fucking head off. <laughs> not many comics possess all of those abilities. I think that um, I remember the first time I did uh, Tripping on Tuesday in the comedy store, main room. Right. I remember the first time I did it at the show. And uh, the, I did it because Dave Arnold and Chris Spencer just happened. We were doing the Laugh Factory out in the casino. Remember the right. that ghetto room that they yeah. had? <laughs> yeah. They, do they still have that? I have no idea. But it was the Woo. worst. Woo. Combat comedy, Ooh, right? Like that's just a perfect phrase. Just I never heard worst. that. It's combat comedy, yeah. and just like you know, the, the security is in the room, but right. they're not in. They, they oh, only nigga. gonna do, wait. They only gonna do something in case some shit jump off. Right, right. But then I remember they saw me, and that was the first time they that because you don't normally watch other comics. Yeah. But if you happen to, and you go, oh, I really think this guy's funny, so they watched me. They, we were all laughing about it afterwards, and then they told Jeru, you know, mm -hmm. who was running the show, was like, hey, put me up. And so they put me up on the main room, and I hadn't done a black like an all-black audience crowd, like a real show in a while when I did this. This is years ago. Because I just had so many bad experiences, you know what I mean? Mm. But I realized... And I get the sense, Eric, from mm. watching you, from having seen you do stand-up, and, and you look a little bit... Mm. You, 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 I'm, you, I'm different. You look, you, well, you look I'm, at, I'm you racially look, ambiguous. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I, and I'm not saying you can't because I haven't seen you in those rooms. But even myself, I, like, them rooms where, you know, niggas, gold teeth... Dirty chains, dirty long fingernails. You can tell these niggas, you know, they got some dirt on them. Um, they wouldn't take to you as quickly as. That's exactly the situation that I was normally in before. Right. But what I found now and later in life, being like, you know, after doing comedy for so long that I've realized that it just really doesn't even matter, you know, because for me, like I'm big on stage sometimes right. i'm animated and i think that that's what connects to some of those type of black audiences right and at the same time you got this guy that's gonna come up and be like yeah you finally you saying something poignant you know what i mean right. but after i remember i did my set right. kill I, I i killed that night right. in the main room but that's not even really like black you know because half the room got headshots you know what i mean uh, <laughs> so it's like let's be but you want you in hollywood let's not right. call this a black room right, all right? Right, right but this is like my hollywood black room but anyway i saw this black comic came up to me like a couple days later and he came up to me hey man but it's like i was like oh here we go you know what i mean i saw mm -hmm. you in the you know main room doing your little set you know your little set <laughs> yeah that's never that that's never good <laughs> you know but he was like but he said to me he said he said and then he said but then I saw you in the OR the night before, and you did the same set in front of all those black people. How'd you do that? Because it was mm. a black comic. Right. And then I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I thought he was right, coming right, up right, with right. some shit. And I thought to myself, that's when I knew I was like, I was going to be fine. Right. You know, because it was like, whatever I do, and it, and it might be heightened, mm -hmm. you know, when you're performing, when people want more of like what right. you, because I think black rooms are more about what you do, not necessarily about what you say, you know, how you say it. You know what I mean? Well, I think it's a little bit of that too, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're talking it's, about it's, it's, if, if you're talking about shit that you just know is beyond the area code, you have to be able to comprehend some of this shit in order yes. to flow with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know what I'm for saying? Sure. Lou, I want to ask you a question now, because because me and my podcast partner Andy Steinberg, we talked about this a little bit, and when I and I'm thinking about the Baltimore Comedy Club, you know, the the white comedians in this business that whose names carry weight, Seinfeld. Louis C.K. And I remember Louis even, I even heard it on YouTube. He did a funny story about having performed both at Chocolate Sundays 
and Mo' Better Mondays and the difference. Um, and it was a racial thing. And my question to you is this. In my mind, all the greatest comedians have the ability through their material being so good to translate color. Mm -hmm. they, bring, they make everybody see it. Can you truly call yourself a great comic if what you do can't be done in both rooms? Because as funny as Seinfeld is, and I think he's one of the best, because as a comic, we have an appetite for everything. But I question, could he do a Mo' Better Mondays or a Chocolate Tuesdays and crush the same way? You know what? I think that he could. And the reason is, is because here's what I find. I find that black, first of all, the black audience is just as scared of you as you are of them. <laughs> okay. And they, and they are, because, because I find. I don't know if I buy that one. Oh, uh, no, dude. The moment, I, I found that the moment you crack back, it's, they, they already like, oh, okay. Yeah, but, but cracking back <laughs> you know, it, in and of itself is its own skill. Right, 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 right. I get that. But I'm saying the moment you take charge of the room. Okay. And I think somebody that's a wordsmith that allows themselves to have the energy to be able to, like, this is my point from beginning to end. These people, because first of all, my problem with, with the black comedy is that the comics themselves don't respect the black audience enough. They don't respect. It's just like the, the movie Fade to Black. Okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't see that. But. Oh shit. Jay-Z's in his office. And he's oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he's yeah. talking to these young rappers. I, okay, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And these young rappers are like, he Jay-Z's like, why are y'all rapping about that stuff? And then he got we we got to. You know, they we have to rap about this stuff. They ain't gonna listen to us. And 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 I said, comedy's the same way. You don't have to talk about these things that, like you're talking about, like if if if, the, if a black comic's coming up before you talking about the differences with race and that, you don't necessarily have to talk about those things. Right. You know, you don't have to be whatever you what the stereotype of a black comic right. is to win over the crowd. And so I think that a high level comic with a high level uh, IQ about what they're talking about, they're gonna right. do fine. It's not gonna it's gonna be different. It might not be belly laughs. Right. But it's going to be different. I think it can be appreciated. And the fact that people think that the black audience can't appreciate cerebral comedy, to me, is the part of the problem. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm split on that. I think I, feel it's okay. I think some black people are equipped to deal with it, but some just ain't. You mean white comics, you're saying? Yes. Some yeah. just ain't. Again, going back to the Gerard Carmichael. Jar, I don't think that Gerard's Carmich Gerard Carmichael's blackness should ever be in question. I think he's 100% power to the people. Yes, he is. But his thinking level and his skill level and his delivery and his cadence might be a little too slow here's, for, for niggas that's, you know, but here's wanting the thing. to tear the club up. But here's the thing that I know about Gerard being so close to him. He, that, that it's all by choice, you know? His choice. Yes, his choice. Like he, he could, he could, what do you want to say, blacken it up? Okay. Or he could make that a shift because, you know, you, you, you talk differently in, in front of different types Absolutely. of people. Absolutely. You know, if you had a funeral, you, even if you're going to tell a joke uh, at a eulogy to, to make, give some levity to the situation, right. it's going to come across differently than it's going to come across in a, in a comedy club. When right. you're doing a corporate gig, it's different. When you, if you're doing a church gig, it's different. Right. You're going to change your thing. So for his thing, his choice is I'm not going to do church gigs because I don't want to change what I do. Right. But it's not to say that he can't, you know. I just think that that's 
I know what you're talking about. There are some comics I see them and I go, I don't think this person's ever going to be able to make the switch. In the same way that I see some like sort of like real ghetto ass black comics, they want to go to the improv on a Friday night at eight o'clock and make these white people laugh and they feel like they can't. Mm. I mean, I think it's, it's the same kind of thing. You know, when you have people like uncomfortable, they're looking at you like, I don't But again, do you I think that makes them less of a comic? Yeah, sometimes I think that not less than a comic, but I just think that they're not going to all of their skill sets. Hmm. I think that they're not taking the time to really like, oh, I, I, I need to do more. Right. I need to like not because not everybody feels they have to. Some people get comfortable. Right. There's a lot of money to be made in the black market. There's yeah. there's comics out there that we know that like I never see do, you know, would be on evening at the improv or you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. There's Arnez J and these types of people out there that are just like, you know, backflipping all over the place. And like, you know, they're, do, they're doing well in the black in the black right. audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. But do those people translate over to the white audience? Do they want to? Right. Can they? But that doesn't mean that they can't, if given the opportunity, rise to the challenge. Well, I don't think that's – I would like to see it, though, because otherwise you're just guessing. You know, when you look at a Louis C.K. and a Seinfeld and you know how great they are, you, you say to yourself, there's no way they couldn't. But So you don't think Louis can perform in front of a black crowd if he was like – if it was like I, I think just I, on a regular night, he, he walks in, you think like well, this will, this will, he's going to get stumped? This is what was so great about the story he told. And Mo' Better Mondays is way more niggas yes. in attitude than Chocolate Sundays. So he went but on. That's D Ray's fault too. The way he just he he just motherfucking set the show up like that. This next food, you know, like just the way he bringing you up. Like I wouldn't want him to introduce me to somebody on a date because right. he would be like, you know, he lived with his mom. He don't right. got no job. Right. Like, right. Why, why would you say that? Why why would you bring me up like that? So Louis tells the story and he goes pretty relatively well at Chocolate Sundays, and he goes, yeah, I went up on Mo Better Monday, and I remember I did the joke and I did the punchline. And there was nothing. And I could literally feel where the black people in the crowd were like, oh, shit, that was it. That was his punchline. <laughs> this motherfucker. So I think like this. Anybody that's really great, you can take, take, some, take some time. After about three or four sets, he'll figure it out. Yeah. But just off the cuff? I don't know, bro. Yeah, but I've even seen like, look, I've seen Chris Rock come into the OR in the, in the comedy store. You know, he just he just coming in because he's working on something. Right. And immediately he comes in and he lower your expectations. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but then he goes on to crush, doesn't he? No. I've seen him like just he's working it out. I've seen him working it out. I saw him when he was preparing for his Oscar uh, thing. And he was just working it out. There was moments where you're like, ha ha. But it wasn't like you were like, oh, my God, because he right. was working it out. So I'm just saying, right. you know, give me like if, if we're doing a contest, if this was going to be on NBC and they were like, all right. You know, this is how they should have done uh, Last Comic Standing. You know what I mean? Where, mm -hmm. like, you know, all right, it's all black audience tonight. You know, you don't right. know till you get out there. If right. we were doing it like that, then I That would, would be far more interesting. <laughs> we'd see how it would go. Yeah. You know what I mean? We would see how it would go. But I just think from doing Baltimore Comedy Factory when I first started doing it, that was something that I experienced was, like, one night. Because I, I, would, I would promote the show on a rock show. Mm. So there would be like a a lot of white people in some really? of the shows. Yeah, God, the I reason why they, like four. The reason why the guy was bringing me to the club twice a year is because I drew a lot of white people in one show. Like literally, the whole show's white. And How? then and then the, the late show, 
it's all black. Like I was so thrown aback by it. Like I like right. I went out on stage and I was like, oh shit, this is <laughs> this, I was like, okay. I was like, this is Def Jam all of a right, sudden. Like right. I really, it was really like a a, a, a jarring thing because this, I just did three, I'm doing three shows. This is the third show. I right. just did a show, like there was some like sort of rednecks in the second show, I remember. Mm. You know, and now I'm doing like this is like, and then you know, the chicken wings is flying, and everybody's like, hey, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, you, you know, and you you become like I become a chameleon. I become right. like, all right, I gotta like, okay, y'all, right, okay, right, right, oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? I gotta like, you know, it's it, you you adjust. You know, I I, I I would say on stage sometimes I would go, especially when I would do a room where before I started bringing a feature with me regularly, and they would provide the features. Um, and sometimes you know, it'd be like local white boy or whatever, and this motherfucker <laughs> local white boy, motherfucker <laughs> tank terribly, and I'm not shitting on the comedian, but I'm pointing out something I notice, which is, and I say this on stage, white people, y'all applaud effort. Like if a comic come up and don't really say nothing funny, but he put a lot of work in the joke, you could tell there was a lot of, uh, he, he laced it with a lot of profanity or he exuded a lot of energy. White people will simultaneously go, woo! Niggas don't give a fuck about effort. We want results. I disagree with you. Really? Yes. There are more standing ovations in a black room than any room. But you have to earn that. Black I, people ain't just standing up to stand I, up. I, I, me, I, I'm, count point, counterpoint. <laughs> go ahead. I'm just telling you, I, the, the, the most, I think the most loving, and they're, 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 they are a bipolar audience, the black audience. It is a bipolar audience. You get the highest highs and the lowest lows, but they, uh, they are ready to love. The I, black audience is the most loving audience. Did you ever do a Comedy Central Presents? Uh, no, I did uh, 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 half. It was called half. Well, same, same thing. thing. Same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I did my, my Comedy Central Presents, and even when I was watching Comedy Central Presents before I did mine, I, I, one thing I hated about it was I said, this gives comics who are just okay a false sense of hope because they're geared. They make the audience applaud break during certain parts of your set. Oh, they stopped doing that. Well, this is what I'm saying, though. <laughs> but they used to make the audience simultaneously, ooh, the full room after a certain joke. And I'm going, that joke's not funny enough for that. And it, you're making comics who aren't great go, yeah, da 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 an applause break is something you have to earn to make motherfuckers go, oh, shit, without an applause sign or being, you know, made to do that. I would say to you, I understand that you that I understand where you're coming from with that. But I've been in these rooms you're talking about, and I don't think that it's deserving of that. Oh, an applause break. Yes. I don't think it's deserving of like some of the response that you get. I, the, 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 you know, like I've seen, like sometimes the crowd looks like they, 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 they paraplegic dancing, you know what I mean? Right. They're so excited about what was just said. It's like, for instance, when I look back on Def Jam, mm -hmm. when I look back on some of the early Def Jam and I see and you, and you hear some of the jokes that were being said that made people go crazy, it don't stand up today. Well, well, listen, listen, but then that leans on the subjective thing. Yeah, I get If an entire audience does that, Without being told to do that, without yeah. being prodded, well, then that's what it is. But when you make an audience go, oh shit, applause sign. Well, then that's not that's false. But the thing about it is, what I think you're forgetting in that situation is that they're making a television show. I know that, <laughs> I know that, but it still doesn't erase the fact that you're giving someone a nobody's gonna well, as a I comic would... gonna be on stage 
get an applause break because it's a te- television show and not walk away from that thinking, I didn't do that. It was just a television show. But I That would, feeds your ego. Yeah, but I would venture, they're not picking people off the street to give a half hour to. No. So like whatever they did to earn that half hour, however it's put together, I'm ah, fine with it. Ah, because that's, I, that's like whatever you've done to be a part of the race, fine. But don't give everybody trophies. I, give the motherfuckers trophies who won. Yeah, but this isn't this is this isn't this isn't the the, the trophy. I mean, it's like they did the race. This is the award ceremony. That's what the special is at that point. It's just an award ceremony, man. Now, is this the shit that make me feel, come off like an asshole? Me no, no, saying no, no, no. This? this is good no, stuff. I'm just saying because you know this is good. No, no, I you would this type of no, shit. You would have been an asshole if you would have came in the door and been like, "Why is it so hot in here? <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking hot." You know that. I, I just want to because I, this is the kind of shit I say, and to me. I don't want to come in here with you or anybody else and give the fake. Oh, we're doing a production. No, no, Let's be fake. No, no, no. We're real doing, conversation. No, we, we, and we're having a real conversation. But sometimes when you say shit that might not be either politically correct or, you know, goes against the grain, people perceive this as assholeism. No, I think that it's like, I think it, I think having pride in the job and having a pride in like our, our art form, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. And I feel that that's where you're coming from. You know okay. what I mean? Because I get it, too, because we've all looked at, like, where we go. We look at things and go, how the fuck did that dude get a special? Right. I mean, that's just every comic does right. that. I don't care who you I'm are. Glad, I'm glad you're saying that because yeah. most people would deny that. Oh, no, no. Especially now. No, no. It's not even. It, this is it, this is filtering into regular people. I don't know if you watch Family Guy. Oh, I love it. Okay. Did you see the episode where, like, Peter is like, oh, they're, they're making fun of Netflix specials? No, I didn't and, see that. Oh, I have seen God. it recently, it's but so, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. It's so it. funny. It's like, and, and then Brian says to him, Peter, you're actually filming your stand-up special right now. And then the, the, the living room opens right. up and it's a crowd. I mean, Netflix has made it where everybody has a special. It's like a lot of, like, 15-minute specials, 8-minute specials. They're going to do, like, 102-minute specials right. eventually, you know? Right. So they've diluted the market. So what we're talking about is, like, because we come from an era where the word special meant something. Right. So take that out. But, like, listen, when I did my half hour, I felt like they did it wrong. I felt like there should be two shows. Set us up to, to succeed. Mm-hmm. Do two shows. I did it with Little Rel at the time, mm. and I thought that they set him up for failure that night because the, the eight black people in Boston who came because we did it in Boston who came to the show for him, right. and all these white people who love workaholics. You know what I mean? So I, right. I went up first before him, and it was just like you know, hey, who likes workaholics? You know, hey, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, this isn't. They didn't do this right. They didn't. Right. Se- they didn't get the best from. Because haven't you ever seen somebody you think is really funny? do a TV set, and then you go, what happened? Right. Well, what I know from doing TV sets now that it's not necessarily the comic's fault. Oh, well, listen, dude, from what I've heard, I've never done one, but from what I've heard, trying to do a Tonight Show or do that stand-up on them late-night shows, they butcher your shit down to, why am I even doing this? Yeah. Um, So, yeah. uh, But that's a skill in the same way that you're talking about. In the same way that you're talking about people have to adjust to do Mm -hmm. white rooms, black rooms. To me, you also have to adjust to what is it to do a television set. You're right. I, I, fair enough. You know? Uh, you know, one of the funniest clips ever, Patrice O'Neill, and it's Patrice, I forget the other comic's name, but Opie and Anthony, and they're talking about handicapped comics of some sort. And I forget, she was real popular back in the 80s, I think. You know what they do? Female. And um, before they even play her clip, they're talking about how terrible she is. And at one point, they play her material, and she goes, I got the clap on and the clap off. It's a shame when my equipment here is better than I do. <laughs> and then there's a pause, and Patrice just goes, 
this bitch stinks, man. And he goes, you got to understand something. I'm not trying to be mean, but I am working on, I am waiting for fame to call me. And this bitch is getting off with this terrible material. Now, again, I think everybody, to some degree, wishes they could be that. That's Patrice. Um, and and he, maybe, yeah, it wasn't always a uh, right. Yeah, it wasn't always good. No, you know what I mean, no, like, like you know. no. But but <laughs> the part that I'm taking from it is that how can a guy or anyone be that goddamn funny, that goddamn good, and not get they just do? Now well, I know he burned a lot of bridges. Well, well okay, that, you just answered the question. Uh, okay, well think of it like this too. Then there are people in the NBA. People get to the NBA because they have tremendous talent. Right. They are, they are, they won the genetic lottery. Right. And they have tremendous talent and they're out here in the NBA. There's not everybody that fulfills their potential. This is a privilege. It's not a right. So just because somebody is hilarious, like Patrice, or many people that we know, right. We all know a goat. We all right. know somebody that's like, I wish more people knew who this dude is. But they don't also need to have business savvy. They need to know that they need to cultivate relationships. They need to know that they need to, um, you know, work on how to perform in front of different types of people. They need to know that, like, when keeping it real goes wrong. Right. They need to know that those is also part of the business. If this was just about being funny, then how many people would be doing it? Well, then maybe that's where my skills need to sharpen up. Yes. Because Chris told Motherfucker. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> to take it full circle, Chris, that's what the fuck I've been trying to Chris, tell you. Chris, Chris says to uh, Patrice, and I, and everything you just said, what, what Chris said, there it is. That's the peanut butter and jelly. But it pains me to hear it mm -hmm. because I'm just going, how could that be? He goes, it ain't about the jokes. <laughs> it ain't about yeah. the jokes. And I'm going, we're in the business of jokes, ain't we? Are we? Oh, it's made, it's show business, my money. This is, a, this, is, this is an entertainment business. This is what I'm trying to tell you. Well, the reason why they make people clap at those things, because it's a television show where they have to sell ad uh, revenue. Like you, you, you coming across like, no. But you as the audience watching at home, are you fooled by that? Some, th sometimes they are. Sometimes they're at home just like, oh, I enjoyed that. You know, it's like, I always tell people when they do in television tapings, act as if you're killing. Even if you're not killing, make it look like you're killing. Fake it till you make it. Woo. And that's what television is. Woo. You know, you you coming from a perspective of like, as if this is like in some barn someplace and the local people come to the barn because this is how they do it. This is real. But that not but that might not be entertaining to the masses. Okay. <laughs> That's a fucking tough pill to swallow, dude. Well, but you because, haven't learned. I, you've learned. You've seen it. You're just accepting it for the first time, but you've been fighting this fight your whole fucking career, man. This is your fight your whole career. Could you be, could you be nicer? Could you be a nicer human being? Absolutely. Okay. And well, if I look back. Does it hurt? And if I look back. It hurt, does it hurt you? No. <laughs> it hurts your pride, but it don't hurt you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I'm, I'm learning to less Ice Cube and more Magic Johnson. Yeah, so or, or find some place in the middle. Right. And I'm not saying you have to kowtow all the time. I got you. No, I got no, you. You know what I mean? I, but I maybe just, when you get in the car and you don't know who, if this is the manager of the place or not, right. maybe they don't need to be yelled at because there was traffic and they were late. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, does it hurt you? To, you know. Uh, so this is what I'm saying. This is what we're talking about with you yeah. has nothing to do with your performance on stage. But it might affect how this all coalesces 
into the fame and fortune that you want. <laughs> you know what we go. You know what we can, go. We go continue this on your podcast. Yes. Can I mention my podcast? I now? want you to right now. All right. Time uh, oh shit, we gone too long, huh? I, I have a I have a <laughs> uh, relatively new podcast. It's about a year and a half old. It's called Spears and Steinberg, aka the Jew and the Jerk. Uh, it's available. Wait, at- wait, wait. Who, who are you in that? <laughs> so you even Oize? <laughs> It'd be great if you're the Jew. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's available through Apple's iTunes, or you can go to Spearsburg or Google Play. Uh, and I'm and all- actually, don't even worry about this right now, because oh. all this information is going to be on this episode. Oh, okay. So right down below, like guys. Like and shit yeah, like yeah. that? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. When you look on underneath, you'll see it. I'm, okay. I'm going to have all the links and all okay, that cool, stuff, cool, and uh, cool. I will all send right. my people to you. Yeah. And uh, listen, I'm glad you came on. We, we, Thank we, you, We've bro. talked for over an hour, so I don't want to keep you anymore. I don't even know. If, Aaron, are we taking up the studio yeah, time? I, those pills you saw me taking uh, was some dick pills. I'm about to go fuck when I leave here. Oh, God. And I really? Got, I got, really? I got type 2 diabetes, nigga. I need it for my dick to get on. Type 2 diabetes? Diabetes. Yeah. Well, I, I want you to be healthy then. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, brother. Yeah, please. I had Billy Gardell on here. He had the same situation. Really? Yeah, so I need you to like, we all got to get healthy. Look at me. I'm a big fat motherfucker. I, I got so, you. I got so you, we bro. all got to get our shit together. But listen, I'm glad you came on. Thank you, man. I felt, I, again, I felt like you were, you're a misunderstood man. I see that more now. We Thank don't, you. we've never had this long of a conversation before. Yes. And I hope we have many more conversations like this. And more like importantly, this. spread the legend, brother. Yeah. Next I'm, time I'm like, that nigga's an ass. Well, wait a minute. Well, but again, I need to hear their side. The fuck ain't the fuck they side. I'm, I'm misunderstood. <laughs> standing in that. And then I'm going to come back to you and be like, did you yell at this? <laughs> did you really do this? You oh, know? my God. So we'll find it. Bob, out of the way, before we go, I've heard stories about like uh, Dennis Miller. I heard this story about Dennis Miller mm-hmm. where he had worked his ass off his whole career. And now he had a rider and he wanted to be picked up in a limo. Right. And they, he was doing a college and they brought the volleyball van. <sighs> I, I would have yelled, you know, and he said it was the first time he said, no, I'm not going to get I'm not going to do it. But it was on principle. But all I'm saying is, would it have hurt him to get in that volleyball van? No, no. But he has pride. But sometimes you have to fight. Right, for it. Right, right, right. But you got to pick and choose those moments. Right. What I'm saying to you is, I don't think you pick and choose enough. Well, here's where I made my choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time way back when I didn't have a writer and I allowed whoever to pick me up, the club did a clown night before uh, my shows. So they sent the head clown to pick me up at the airport in his official clown car. And I said, no more this shit. Yeah. I need a writer. I'm sitting on squeaky shit. I'm no but more. it should be case by case. It made for a great show that night. Yeah, I'm sure. But enough of that. All right. But anyways, All right. Let's, we're going to end on him sitting on clown stuff. Um, again, I'll, you'll have all the information about uh, Riffin with Griffin. Uh, remember, you could go to my website, ericgriffin.com, to see my dates. Uh, also, you have a website? Yes, arispears.com. Arispears.com, and all his information is going to be below, uh, even on the audio. When you're looking at the audio, if you go to the website of the audio, you can, you can see all the information there, too, guys. And all this preparation ain't fatness. It's hot in here. And it's a little bit... <laughs> That too, but you light skin, so that shit is blending in with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I, I look I'm like sweat, a patent leather shoe, nigga. Believe me, this is like I'm moist as hell underneath all this. I don't know why I wore this sweater, but uh, anyways, I want to thank the great uh, Aries. 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 I, 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 it's all good, baby. I fuck everybody's name up on here. Say my name right. Aries. That's the asshole. Spears. Yes, Aries. No relation to Britney. Yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Aries Spears, everybody. Uh, this has been Riffin with Griffin. 
Thank you for another great episode. And uh, look for me to go on his episode. We're going to continue this conversation there. So um, thank you for listening once again. This is Griffin with Griffin, and I'll see you on the next next time. Thank you, sir. Thank you.